this is the in focus podcast from the hindu hello and welcome to the hindus in focus podcast my name is jayan shriram and i'm your host for today this is a rare episode in which we're discussing sports but we're taking a slightly different tack today we're going to look at the science behind why a cricket ball swings and use this opportunity to highlight some really interesting research work that's been happening in this area our immediate motivation of course is the day night test match currently underway between india and australia that's being played with a pink ball now the pink ball is of course relatively novel in cricket and there's still a lot of curiosity and attempts to understand how it behaves differently to the red and white ball so while we address the pink ball in the course of this conversation today we don't restrict ourselves to it we talk overall about the general mechanics of swing and the various factors that affect it now that might sound a little complex but what's really special about this episode as i mentioned earlier is that we look at an aspect of cricket from a science perspective rather than a sports reporting one and that's possible thanks to the work being done by my guest today professor sanjay mittal teaches at the department of aerospace engineering at iit kanpur and for the past several years he has been leading a team of researchers conducting experiments to understand the physics governing the swing of a cricket ball i won't say more i'll let him explain further but as i said our immediate motivation for doing this podcast is the test currently underway between india and australia but the insights that professor mittal provides goes much beyond that and will stand the test of time professor mittal thank you so much for joining us on the hindus in focus podcast today and for making time for having this conversation ah uh, thank you for having me here right um so of course the um, kind of immediate um, motivation in terms of a news point to have this conversation is the india australia test match that's starting today and it's uh, it's a day and night test match being played with the with a pink ball so we will get to speaking about the pink ball but um i thought a good way to start just generally is to talk about the research that you've been doing um on cricket ball sure. on the cricket ball and talk about aspects of um, you know the swing of the cricket ball and how you brought science into the study of this so uh, please tell us a little bit about how this uh, project started this uh, this project of looking at the science of the swing of a cricket ball sure uh so uh i am a professor in aerospace engineering and uh, we do a lot of fluid mechanics i am interested in many things and one of the important things i like to look at is turbulence one of the basic things that we do is look at canonical flows like spheres and cylinders uh and uh, which have very little geometric complexity but have all the richness of the flows so when students approach us you know for projects and uh, would like to do some work related to fluid dynamics maybe either for their bachelor's projects or for their masters or phd thesis then they get very excited and uh, you know they find it very uh, glamorous that uh, if they can uh, relate it to something in real life so right. so what we did is we uh, the problem remains the same it is turbulence but then if you put in it the glamour of a cricket ball or a golf ball or a hockey ball then the students get super excited and the physics remains exactly the same so that's how this all began uh, about 10 years ago we've been working on this 
when you're talking about the swing of a cricket ball, basically, um, you're saying that in, in, in what you study, it's basically studying turbulence and flow. That's right. And um, could you tell me a little bit about how, I mean, what is the kind of experimentation and the kind of study method that you used? Sure. So, uh, so, so imagine there is a sphere uh, with, a, with a seam on it, like a cricket ball, and we mm-hmm. want to understand the fluid mechanics of it. So primarily, there are three ways that one can look at it. One is, you know, in a very theoretical sense, uh, you know, you, you look at some equations and do some, uh, you know, make some notes uh, using the equation. The other is you can actually do this numerically. So you take the same equations, make a computer model and solve these equations and get something meaningful out of it. The third one would be actually you do experiments. So, uh, so we've, we've tried actually two of these techniques. Uh, we've uh, we've done a numerical model, and then we have also made models uh, of of cricket ball, and we have taken actual cricket balls and done experiments on them in a wind tunnel. So, just to give you an idea of what a wind tunnel is, um, you know, imagine a bowler delivers a ball, and mm-hmm. the ball moves towards the batsman. Now, I could do a change of frame of reference, and I could imagine that I am sitting on the cricket ball as an observer. And the air is coming at me. So I place this ball inside a a room, as you may call it. And then there's a breeze uh, which is generated by a fan, of course, in a more complex way. And that goes, let's say, from left to right. And the ball is stationary. Then one could measure the forces that act on the ball and then, uh, you know, do more analysis. So these are the essentially two approaches that we have taken. Right. So you have a wind tunnel and then you simulate various situations in which a cricket ball is moving through that wind tunnel. That's, Am I correct? That's right. That's right. That's right. So, right. Uh, so in, a, in a cricket ball, you know, uh, the parameters that a bowler would typically have is, so if I'm a bowler, you know, a fast bowler, maybe like Boomrah or some other fast bowler, uh, I could use my pace. So that's the velocity of the ball. Or if I'm sitting on the ball, it is the velocity at which the air is coming at the ball. That's one parameter. The other parameter could be the seam orientation to the to the flow. So how so that would be basically my wrist movement, uh, the wrist position when I deliver the ball. And then we could talk about the backspin on the ball. So again, if I am a bowler, uh, I would like if I am a seam bowler, I would like to stabilize the seam. And that is typically done by imparting a backspin to it. It comes very naturally. And then there are these other effects like the ambient effects, you know, maybe whether it is day or night, it is hot or cold, uh, the humidity is high or low. So typically what we do is we uh, take all these effects into account scientifically and then uh, kind of throw our results back into the, uh, as if the bowler would be using these parameters. That's uh, that sounds really fascinating, sir. And um, I guess the question to ask then is, you know, what have you discovered about uh, your experiments? Um, what have they discovered about how what the how the ball swings? Because there is a there is a conventional way in which sports writers, even aficionados of the sport, understand things like swing. Um, but is there a more sort of complex understanding that you can um, sort of give us? Sure, sure. Uh, so I'll try to make this as simple as I can. I, maybe yes. I first try to uh, tell you about a golf ball. Okay, and sure. then I okay. will come to the cricket ball. So, uh, so imagine if I had a smooth sphere, mm-hmm. and uh, I, uh, you know, use that as a golf ball of exactly the same diameter, 
and I try hitting it. What what happens is that because the ball is very smooth, the surface is very smooth, the boundary layer or the flow on this ball would remain laminar and it turns out that it would incur a lot of air resistance, it would incur a lot of drag. So if I hit it, it will not go as far as a dimpled cricket, uh, a dimpled golf ball would go. So by artificially putting roughness on it, uh, by artificially putting dimples on it, when I hit a golf ball with the same uh, force as I would hit a smooth ball, it turns out because it becomes turbulent, uh, the air resistance on it is smaller and it can travel a larger distance. So that's the that's essentially the difference that uh, a, a laminar versus a turbulent flow can cause. Now, so just to stop you there, sure. the, the golf ball is dimpled. So it, there, there is motor. What does that do to its movement through the air? Right. So so what, a, what happens is that if I had a smooth uh, ball, the boundary layer would be or the flow on it would be laminar. Yeah. But when I make dimples on it, it disturbs the flow, adds a little bit randomness to the flow and it right. makes it turbulent. And what the turbulence does is that the the effect it has on the flow, uh, uh, so there's something called flow separation, Okay, the, uh, how far the flow remains attached to the ball. That kind of increases when the flow becomes turbulent. In layman's term, it would mean that the flow would have, the golf ball would have less drag on it or less air resistance on it once I make the boundary layer or the flow turbulent. So it would so it would travel further? It would travel further because there is less air resistance. So with the same force, when I hit the ball and because the flow has become turbulent, uh, so now the ball can travel further. Uh, and right. so, so that's that's the situation of a golf ball. Now we come to right. the cricket ball. Yeah. So if I had a smooth sphere again, uh, you know, the flow would be kind of axisymmetric, the same everywhere, uh, mm-hmm. you know, if I, if, I, if I look at the ball. But now because of the presence of a seam, uh, the, the turbulence can be initiated on the side uh, of the seam. Okay. And then there's the next, the other side, which, is, which, is, which we call as the non-seam side. And now there's a distinction between the two surfaces of the ball. So to make it more clear, suppose I am a batsman and a ball approaches me. Right. The seam is, uh, let's say, pointing towards, let's say, the the slip, okay, the off slip. And what would happen is that as the ball travels towards me, uh, the flow uh, on it actually is uh, hitting the seam side sooner than it hits the non-seam side. And effectively what that would do is that one part of the ball would have a turbulent flow and the other part would still be a laminar flow. So the part which sees the the seam, that becomes turbulent. And the part which does not see the seam remains laminar. And what that does it, it generates a side force on the ball now. So as a bowler, I can now control the trajectory of the ball. So instead of it just going straight to the batsman, it can actually move laterally. And that's what uh, is referred to as swing. Right. right. And, and how does how does other you know, externalities like, you know, wind and all that affect this? Sure, sure. So, uh, so it turns out that, uh, you know, uh, if, I, if, if it was a perfect, uh, you know, a wind tunnel kind of a situation and 
I have a brand new ball and all these balls are, let's say, identical. They are spheres, perfect spheres, and they have a perfect seam on them. Um, then everything is, uh, you know, ideal and I can actually be uh, very sure of what happens when. But, you know, life is not like that. A, the ball is going to become rough uh, as the match goes on. B, not all balls are exactly the same. I mean, they are not perfect spheres. So, in fact, in manufacturing, there would be minor differences between balls. And even as a batsman hits the ball, uh, you know, it, it loses sphericity. Then we have these differences of weather. So, if I have, let's say, a cold weather versus warm weather, then it turns out it affects the density of air. So, right. if I have, let's say, cold weather, the air is denser and if, the, if it is warm, then it is lighter. And what it does to the, to, to, the, to the forces is that if I have the ball traveling at exactly the sp same speed, everything else being same, then in the cold weather, I would see a larger force because the density of the air is larger. And in warmer weather, I would see less force. So the same bowler, at the same speed, if he bowls, let's say, in lords at a lower right. temperature, he would see a swing. But the same bowler, if he bowls in Eden Gardens uh, at a certain speed, which he bowled at in lords, uh, he may not see a swing. Everything else being remaining same. So those are the external factors, for example. Similarly, humidity. Uh, you know... Uh, if I have more moisture content in the air, then it actually reduces the density of air. Because as you may be aware, the molecular weight of water is smaller than the molecular weight of air. So right. it actually reduces the density of the air. So therefore, if I have a humid day versus a dry day, it would again affect my uh, the, the way the ball swings. Uh, there could be many other factors. For example, uh, this is not proven, but uh, many people speculate that uh, if I have, uh, let's say, moisture content on pitch, uh, then my seam can absorb moisture and mm -hmm. it can the protrusions can become larger. So it swells up and therefore it, it can make the flow turbulent more effectively. So, so once the ball becomes a little bit wet, because of moisture. So there are two contrasting effects. One is the bowler may not be able to grip the ball well, but if he does and uh, he is able to bowl at the regular speed, then actually they can generate more swing force and the ball uh, would swing around a little bit more. So there are lots of complexities, uh, both in terms of weather and in terms of external conditions that complicate the, the swing bowling. Right, yeah, no, it sounds like it. And so, um, I mean, we'll we'll get to the pink ball, but uh, you know, but firstly, uh, is there a what's the comparison that you found between the red and the white ball, for instance? Okay, so uh, so you know, uh, I'm sorry to break this news, but color on its own has no effect on swing. Okay. So so if I took a white ball and I you know magically made it red, uh, the color obviously cannot affect the fluid dynamics or 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 the you know the uh, the swing of the ball directly so the so my understanding is that uh, you know 
you first uh, take a in in your manufacturing when you uh, when you want to put a color on the leather so first you process the leather so typically mm-hmm. the test balls are you know uh, they may are made of four quarters uh, two halves and then two more quarters on each half and then you try to stitch them polish them and put a pigment on them now the process of putting a pigment uh, on the leather would be different on whether i want to put a white pigment or i want to put a red pigment or i want to put a you know a, a pink pigment so the lacquer that goes on it or the polish that goes on it is kind of different um so uh, so uh, so that's one thing the second thing is also the the manufacturing process so if you have let's say um, an sg manufacturer ball manufacturer versus kukabura versus maybe duke they would all use different processes and even the red ball from the three companies would behave differently uh, because of seam height because of the way they stitch the ball because of the way they process the the pigmentation and the the lacquer they put on the ball okay so so it turns out that uh, you know it's not just the color there are there are many many factors that affect the ball so let's not talk about the same manufacturer but two different pigments and let's say i have the white pigment and i have the red pigment uh, right it turns out that uh, you know uh, the same process the same kind of lacquer may not hold the two kinds of uh, the two kinds of uh, pigments and it may very well happen that i may have to put a thicker layer uh, for a, of lacquer for uh, sustaining a white pigment and therefore that surface would be smoother then let's say i would have a, a red color pigment and it may even last longer so as my ball gets older it is quite possible that a white color ball may you know sustain more scoff marks as compared to uh, a red color ball and it may uh, therefore retain its newness if i may say for a larger number of overs right and um, the, the the pink ball what what about the pink ball in that case so what i have read is you know i'm uh, i've still not done experiments on the pink ball yet we have to lay our hands on a few pink balls um mm-hmm. but my understanding is that a pink pigment is a little bit more tricky to uh, be sustained by leather so one would have to put a thicker coat of uh, the polish or the lacquer whatever one calls it and therefore it has more shiny uh you know in terms of fluid mechanics it's a smoother surface if you look at the roughness uh, a, a pink ball would be more smoother than a red ball that's number 1 number 2 the seam size is all the seam height is also a little bit different so i am told that the pink ball has a more prominent seam so this would do two things a if i have a brand new pink ball and a brand new smooth ball Uh, a, a, a red ball then the then the pink ball would be smoother and it right. would have a more prominent seam what that would do is that as a bowler uh, i would see a bigger differential uh, on the flow on the two surfaces the seam and the non seam side so i would get more swing uh, with a pink ball as compared to a red ball number 2 right. uh, as the ball gets older you know now with the new rule that people cannot use their saliva uh, they will not be able to maintain uh, 
you know the the shine of the ball as they used to in 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 earlier times pre covid so so if i have a natural uh, lacquer which kind of sustains the polish a little longer then for a swing bowler that's that's you know a dream come true so therefore a pink ball i think would be would give a seam bowler a more advantage compared to a red ball that's the speculation that i have after going through the processes of how they manufacture these balls yeah so i mean so many questions come to mind uh, just not necessarily related to the pink ball um right now um but just one of the you know one of the since we're talking about swing one of the really like one of the sort of mystery elements of cricket is reverse swing sure um what what is what of your sort of experiments and studies found about uh, reverse swing great i am so glad you asked this question so uh, so so let me first clarify what uh, what we mean by reverse swing uh, in in technical terms as far as the fluid mechanicist is concerned so right. so you know if if the seam uh, is oriented let's say towards the slip uh, and the the ball moves towards the slip so it moves in the direction of the seam that's called a regular swing the conventional swing yeah but if it moves the other way the seam is pointing in one particular direction but the ball has a lateral movement in the opposite direction then it is called a reverse swing and popularly it's also known as the ball is reversing yeah so there was a a question that can a new ball reverse swing because you will often hear commentators cricketers say that the ball is becoming old and it is reversing now so mm-hmm. i used to have this you know curiosity that can a new ball reverse swing so that was one of the things that we looked at in our experiments and our uh, our computational studies and what we found is yes it can a new ball so suppose i am a bowler and you know i can bowl let's say from 0 to let's say 148 kilometers per hour let's say from from 30 kilometers per hour to 148 kilometers per hour and i hold the same seam position i hold the same backspin everything else is same i just change my uh, speed of delivery so okay. so what our research shows is that up to a certain speed let's say maybe something like 60 to 70 kilometers per hour there is no lateral significant lateral force on the ball so there would be no swing and right. then uh, let's say between 60 to uh, uh, something like 130 or 140 kilometers per hour i would actually start swinging the ball so so it would be a conventional swing and then when i go beyond uh, 140 or so kilometers per hour then actually i would start generating reverse swing okay so a new a new ball can also reverse swing but of course it is difficult to control uh, you know uh, the seam uh, when you are bowling at such rapid pace i mean the 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 kinesiology becomes very important the wrist movement and the whole body motion uh, right so we've tried to look at in our study that uh, you know uh, various parameters so for example the ball speed uh, then the seam orientation then even the the condition of the ball so so as you may be aware that you know players they use something called a contrast swing so what they do is they they keep one side of the ball shiny and the other side they allow it to become rough as the game progresses so you must have seen you know that uh, when the fielders uh, 
feel the ball or when the bowler is going towards the uh, the bowling mark uh, they put saliva on the ball and rub it on one side right it, it turns out that's not random so they, the the side would choose which surface of the which hemisphere of the ball they would polish and which one they would remain uh, let it remain you know rough Mm-hmm. and this difference in addition to the seam can actually aid swing and also cause reverse swing so yeah, this yeah. this this term is called contrast swing yeah yeah now the interesting part is that as the ball gets older uh there is this uh you know very nice uh, uh role that the roughness of the ball plays and kind of uh, um uh, it is in direct competition with the seam uh of the ball so you could have a situation where on one side the 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 seam is making the flow turbulent and on the other side because it is rough the roughness is making the flow turbulent so if you are a smart bowler and you have lot of experience you can actually use uh the state of the ball the orientation of the seam the speed uh the playing conditions you know like the wind the temperature all this to deceive the batsman so it's it's really a bizarre number of parameters right and this is something that uh, many smart bowlers discover by intuition what you are describing to me scientifically absolutely absolutely and i think i think they know a lot more than uh, a fluid mechanicist would ever know uh, there's no doubt right. in my mind right and you're also saying that it, theoretically it's possible even with a new ball bowled at very high speeds to generate reverse swing but that requires an you know an extraordinary amount of control that's right so there are bowlers uh, you know uh, who can generate uh, uh, reverse swing on a new ball so uh, so there was this english uh, bowler simon jones i think a uh, very tall right. bowler and uh, i have seen the clips of uh, of his bowling uh, video clips where i think he gets reverse swings in with a with a brand new cricket ball so it's it's very much possible and uh, so you know just to just to sort of close with we've, uh, we're nearly running out of time sure. but um, just to sort of close you know you've done all this research about the mechanics of the ball does this could this contribute in any way to sort of design going into the design of uh, of cricket balls and you know where does this research take you you know you've touched upon something which uh, which is very close to my heart uh, i also do work on uh, on badminton shuttlecocks and uh, right. on cricket balls and golf balls and really i mean so there are two aspects to sports one is you know the the athletics itself the skills and the other is entertainment i mean if i am going to watch a t20 match and i want uh, a really nice entertainment i would like so much adventure in it that everything should be you know uncertain that's the beauty of a game and one right. can use these uh, these research findings to design balls which would which would make things more challenging uh, you know why should the why should there just be a toss there should also be a, a you know i should have as a captain if i am the bowling captain i should be able to choose out of let's say five kinds of balls which one right. i would like to use today and maybe right. have three different balls in a game one for the spinner one for the pace one for the seam so there are lots and lots of possibilities i think uh the future is bright in sports that's that's all i can say professor mithal thank you for joining us for this really fascinating discussion and of course uh, good luck for your research ahead and thank you for making time for us on this podcast today thank you very much my real pleasure 
In Focus will be back soon with analysis of the biggest news issues. In the meantime, you can find our podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher and other platforms. Just search for In Focus by The Hindu. We'll see you soon.